When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Jim Arnold, former Vanderbilt punting legend in the early 80s. He was a first-team All-American back in 1982, and he's the first Vanderbilt kicking specialist to receive All-American honors. He was a huge part of that 1982 team that beat Tennessee for the first time in over 20 years and helped his team earn a bowl bid to the Hall of Fame Bowl against Air Force. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. Welcome back into The Door Report. It is episode 96. It is July 28th, 2021 on a beautiful Wednesday evening here in Nashville, Tennessee. We are, as always, presented by Alaco Finewood Floors. We have a shortened segment one because coming right up, we've got a full half-hour discussion with the Vanderbilt punting legend Jim Arnold. He also had a 10-year NFL career. Spent many years with the Detroit Lions, a two-time Pro Bowler. It was an absolute pleasure to be able to discuss all things Vanderbilt athletics with Mr. Arnold. We dove into his career at Vanderbilt, but also the future of Vanderbilt football under Coach Lee. Before we get to breaking news, though, a couple notes to get to. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at door underscore report, and Instagram, door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. First, we've got Daniel Martin. He is a Vanderbilt recruit watch. We've got him on our radar now. Just a quick note here, Robbie Weinstein and Kip Adams, both from 24-7 Sports, have put in crystal balls for Martin to land at Vanderbilt. He still has to visit Florida State and Oregon, but uh, Vanderbilt is well in the running, and we'll have to keep an eye on that. Also, Kumar Rocker and uh, the New York Mets have uh, hit sort of uh, uh, some rocky roads right now. The Mets have expressed concerns with his pitching elbow during his uh, physical exam. Multiple industry sources told the Post, Rockers Camp disagrees with those concerns, so we'll have to see how this shakes out. Sunday, 5 o'clock p.m. is the signing deadline, so we'll have to see how Rocker and the Mets deal with that. Also, Jack Leiter has inked his deal with the Rangers. He His bonus is worth more than $7.9 million, Jeff Passan uh, reports of ESPN. That's the highest bonus for a pitcher since draft rules changed a decade ago and just shy of the $8 million Garrett Cole got 
back in 2011. So congrats to Jack Leiter. Him and the Rangers seem to be on better terms than Rocker and the Mets, so we'll keep you posted on that. But without further ado, it's now time to send it over to our interview with Jim Arnold, a former Vanderbilt punting legend back in the early 80s. For older Vanderbilt fans, this this hits home. This hits right at home, and it'll, it'll probably hit your heart as well. It's a lot of Vanderbilt fans uh, were emotional back in 2012 uh, when Vanderbilt beat Tennessee at home for the first time since 1982. Who was the punter on that 1982 team? Mr. Jim Arnold. So we will talk with him coming right up about all things Vanderbilt football, his career on West End, and the future of the Commodores program under head coach Clark Lee. We've got Jim Arnold coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Stay tuned. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door Report alongside Will Byram, I'm Billy Derrick, and we are honored to now welcome into the interview portion of our podcast, Mr. Jim Arnold, a former Vanderbilt punning legend, and his name, I would uh, I would assume, reigns true for, uh, for many Vanderbilt fans, especially uh, those Vanderbilt fans that uh, fell in love with that 1982 Commodore team. He was a first-team All-American that season. And he was the first Vanderbilt kicking specialist to receive All-American honors. And uh, funny quote here, George McIntyre once called him the best kicker in the country, pro or college. And uh, so high praise there from the former Commodore coach. (laughs) Arnold also played 12 NFL seasons. He was a two-time Pro Bowl selection in 87 and 88 with the Lions. He was also an All-Pro in 87. Jim, it's been a long time coming, but we finally got you on. How you doing? Thanks for coming on. Everything's good, and thanks for having me on. I'm really honored to be here with you. Well, I got to start. You know, we're going to get into a lot of different things today. We're going to dive into your career at Vanderbilt. Um, But I I really want to start with with your career there and kind of the beginning of it and and how it started. Obviously, coming out of a kid from Georgia, you know, in the South, Vanderbilt was probably on your mind, but maybe not um, as much as some people might, might think. So, how did Vanderbilt uh, begin to enter your mind as, as a high schooler? And then, um, you know, what, what was that process like of, of committing to a school like Vanderbilt? Well, the funny thing was when I was in high school, um, on Saturdays after, you know, Friday game, I'm running around with buddies. I'm not – I was not a guy who really watched college ball when I was in high school, which is wild. I mean, I grew up in North Georgia, so there you had to be kind of a Georgia fan. Right. And – yeah, I had Georgia paraphernalia in my my room, but I really didn't watch. And then um, my senior season, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, my senior season, I had uh, had some coaches come down and visit, and then wanted me to wanted me to come up and visit Vandy. And so I thought, well, well, yeah, I'll go. And um, I mean, heck, is a is a guy in high school in North Georgia. I was, yeah, I wanted to go uh, potentially play football. In, in college, I knew that as far as our economic situation, my family, we couldn't afford for mom and dad to send me. So I was hope, hoping that I would have a, a way to 
to take care of that or take that burden away from me. Anyway, I got, come up to visit Vanderbilt. I go out on my official visit uh, when I came up with Norman Jordan, Frank mm-hmm. Manzella, and Whit Taylor. Oh, and yeah. the, the tie there was that Whit was from Shelbyville, and that was where my father was from. So uh, I hit it off with those guys just great. And the funny th- – th- this is a little bit convoluted story, but I want to tell it. Um, go right ahead. We, we have a, we have a great weekend with those guys. And then we go and uh, watch a basketball game. We're about to leave. Coach McIntyre comes up to me, goes, Jimmy, he says, I have a scholarship open for a punter and I'm 95% sure it's going to be you. So I'm thinking this is awesome. I'll come to Vanderbilt. Well, I go home. And then a week, two weeks go by, and I haven't heard anything from Vanderbilt. So I call, and I get the Coach McIntyre. And we're talking, and he said, well, now, Jim, it's between you and a kid from Kentucky. <laughs> so, okay, I get back. I call back the next week. It's between me and a kid from Mississippi. Well, this goes on for a month and a half. And I call up, and I just ask if y'all made it, if you made a decision and something else was going on with somebody some, somewhere else. And I said, well, Coach, um, I know how we can solve this. And he said, what's well, that? I said, won't you just bring all of us to Nashville, and we'll go out in a stadium, we'll kick the ball, and I'll just tell you who you're going to pick at the end anyway. I'll get through it right away. You're going to pick me because <laughs> I'm going to outperform them all. And then, um, and then three days later they called and said uh, – when can you sign? And I said, when can you come to Dalton? <laughs> so, uh, literally in, in two days that? time period, Mickey Jacobs came down and I signed my letter of intent with Vanderbilt. I was very happy. My little brother was a little fellow at the time. He wasn't too happy with Mickey Jacobs taking his brother away. So mm. he, he literally had this little plastic knife and he came up and gave, but you know, for a little guy, gave Mickey Jacobs a good whack on the back because he thought he was taking <laughs> me away forever. But um, just a funny story, and um, got up here to Vanderbilt, and then um, my freshman year, we had another. There was another guy here on the roster as a punter, and I think at the time I was, I was really pressing because I wanted to, I wanted to measurably outperform him. And I wasn't kicking the ball bad, but it wasn't what I was capable of. And I think Coach McIntyre realized that, and he came by. Uh, after about a week or so of being together, and he came over to my me, he goes, Jimmy. And I said, yes, sir. He said, just relax. You're my guy. And from then it was, you know, uh, as they say, it's history. Uh, my freshman year I had had success um, in the SEC, which uh, my, my freshman year we have, they afforded me many times to show myself. So uh, – <laughs> With that success, my thoughts were, hey, if I can continue to improve, then we'll see where it goes. Well, after my sophomore year, I think, is when I really started seeing some of the seniors being worked out by pro scouts. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, whoa, hang on a minute. So my freshman year, I'm a second-team All-American – I mean, a a second-team SEC, All-SEC. I think I got an honorable mention All-American. and then my sophomore year, I'm first team all SEC. And I'm thinking, well, I know that I can improve upon what I'm doing. Um, and as long as I get my schoolwork in, I was, I was really, really, really um, focused on getting that degree in four years. 
So, you know, that was, we had to get all this done football wise and you had to get all this done class wise. And then uh, seeing guys who were getting worked out by pro athletes, by pro scouts kind of incentivized me to work a little bit harder. And then went on my junior year, which was better than the, the last. And then my senior year was a great, great year. Mm-hmm. Um, both for me personally, but also for us as a team. Um, and I think sometimes out of team success comes personal success. I don't want this to seem like it was all about me because it wasn't, it was about our team. Yeah. Coach or coach Jim, I want to, I want to fast go right there to that season. You kind of walked us right into that, that, uh, that question there as a van, as a younger, you know, generation Vanderbilt fan, Will and I both are. Uh, I think every now and then we'll hear about that season and we'll kind of flash back to it, see highlights. And But I don't think either of us really understand the implications and the importance of that season and how historical it really was and how many different teams you guys were able to beat and go into the Hall of Fame Bowl. And, and just, I mean, that season, you could argue, was the best season in Vanderbilt football history. I, I, really, I really do believe that. Now, you know, there's many different – there's a few other really good seasons, but it was yeah. special in different ways. Uh, you guys beat Florida. You beat Kentucky. You walloped Virginia Tech. You beat Tennessee at home. And before mm-hmm. that win over Tennessee, the last time Vanderbilt had beaten Tennessee in Nashville was back in 64. And then yeah, after, it was a long, long time. Yeah, and then after that win in 82, the next time Vandy beat Tennessee at home was in 2012 <laughs> under James Franklin. <laughs> So you're an int- you're in a, a part of history that's very interesting. I think a lot of people may look at it and say, "Well, you know, he he's he's on the he's he's a member of the Vanderbilt football history that that you know is rarely beaten Tennessee." But I think I think a lot of people may look at it a different way and say, "Hey, I'm I've been a part of that history that has started that um, you know that generation of beating Tennessee." Um, so and and after that Tennessee Vandy. Um, that went over Tennessee in, in 2012. All I can remember is seeing lifelong Vandy fans crying in the stands after the game because, oh, okay. you know, especially the older generation ones because they, they hadn't seen that in, in a long, long time. So what's it like to be a part of, of history in, in that way uh, for Vanderbilt football? Well, I think that everyone that I went to school with and played with, um, that season was very special to all of us. I mean, we really kind of struggled – uh, especially my freshman class, where a lot of guys that came out of different winning programs from different parts of the country. And we got there, and, and here we go. My freshman year, we go one in 10. And it, a lot of these guys, that really bothered them because they were used to winning. And it's not that we didn't have talent. I just don't know that the culture had changed a lot there. Um, and so our group kind of hung together really well and was determined to be the catalyst to help change things. And we get to that season in 82. We're one in 10 my freshman year. We were two and nine my mm-hmm. sophomore year. We were four and seven my junior year. And my senior year, we go eight and three. And we start out that season and we beat Virginia Tech, or I believe that was early in the season, um, at home in a new, what was then, this is a bad thing to say, but it was, at then was a newly renovated Magugan Field. Wow. Um, so, I mean, it was a great celebration afterwards and <clears throat> all that. We um, had a good win against Kentucky. I, I can't remember chronologically which ones those were, but, and then Florida came to town mm-hmm. and uh, they were, 
ranked. I can't remember exactly how I know they were top 10. They were coming in and we just started believing in ourselves. And in that Florida game, I think we got some confidence because maybe they overlooked us. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But what I do know is this. At the end of the day, the scoreboard was tilted in our favor. And that was a huge, huge win for that program Mm -hmm. because that win was kind of the impetus that carried us throughout that year and had the um, success we had. We lost to three teams that year. We lost to North Carolina, Alabama, and the University of Georgia. Here's an interesting thing that's not and never really has been publicized. Back then, you didn't have two divisions of the SEC. You had one. And we're beating Georgia going into the fourth quarter, I believe, that year. And then Herschel Walker happened. Uh-oh. And we ended up losing the game. But had Vanderbilt beat Georgia that year, Vanderbilt would have won the SEC. Oh, my. The reason, the reason I bring this up, and I want people out there to know it and, and realize it, is that you've had a time in a, in a program where – you were on the precipice of um, real, real success of something your program has never, ever done before. Mm-hmm. My point is history can repeat itself. So there is that opportunity that can that may be out there. I don't know. I would hope that we would get down that road a little better down, down you know, in the future. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a magical year. In, in Tennessee at home, it was a rainy, cold day. And uh, we, I think we pretty much handled the ball game. is fairly tight, mm-hmm. um, and we ended up winning it. And uh, what was cool about that, I mean, everybody came on the field. They tore down the Degum goalposts and all this. <laughs> so it was, it was um, a mass celebration. And it's funny because I went down, and right behind Memorial Gym, the, <clears throat> the uh, parking garage that's there now was not there. That was just a big old parking lot. And I had friends who were – Part of a uh, part of a fraternity house over there, so I went over there with them to have some post game celebration. <laughs> so as we are enjoying our celebration, we're sitting, we're standing on the front porch of that fraternity house, and it's a sea of people. And you see one guy who's made the mistake of walking into this big crowd with a Tennessee jersey on. Uh-oh. <laughs> and so people are grabbing him and they're yanking him and pulling him around. And before you know it, they've ripped off the jersey. <laughs> but the cool thing about the story is after that, they ripped his jersey off. And then they gave him a beer and said, here, come on, celebrate with us. <laughs> so oh, yeah. don't, wear the or- don't wear the orange in, but you can have a beer with us. You couldn't wear that orange in. It's actually pretty similar there um, to, I would say, the scene in 2012 uh, when they broke through against Tennessee at yep. home. There were people dancing on the front porches of those fraternity houses right there by the stadium, yep. and it was a pretty awesome scene. But it's crazy it's, there. It's crazy, oh, yeah. though. It's crazy, though, hearing that story. With you usually hear about that from a Tennessee fans' perspective, which or a Vandy fans' perspective, walking into a t- bunch of Tennessee fans, it's it's crazy hearing it from from the the Tennessee fans' perspective. Um, it's really <laughs> unbelievable to to hear that. But yeah, we'll go ahead. Yeah, I was about to say um, you you, talk, you mentioned there at the beginning talking about that '82 season and and the run that it that that it went on, and the only season really in Vanderbilt history. I actually saw a tweet mentioning it today, and I wish I could give credit. Uh, to the account that posted it. But in 2013, Vanderbilt went through and beat Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, and Tennessee all in the same year. Um, And that's really the last time that Vanderbilt's seen success at that level. 
um, mm -hmm. really since 1982. So with Clark Lee and this new staff and kind of a revamped look into Vanderbilt football and with the re redoing of the locker room and a se seemingly renewed interest in it um, as far as the administration is concerned, how do you think Coach Clark Lee and staff is, is going to be, be able to bring back that, that mentality and energy that leads to the success of 1982, the 1982 season or 2012-2013 in that time frame? Well, you've got a, such a different environment today than when you had when I was there. What I love about Coach Lee and what he's doing here is, is one, he's had that experience. So he knows the Vanderbilt culture, but he's gone on and had success in different places. I remember one of the first coaching jobs he had is, I think, defensive coordinator Rick Neuheisel talked with the coach and said, trust me, you're going to call me back and thank me for hiring Clark, Clark Lee. And he had success there. And then, of course, he went to Notre Dame under uh, Coach Kelly and <clears throat> had success with them as well. So I think with what he's trying to bring, I see a lot of stuff, you know, we're talking about taking the numbers off the jerseys. I've got no problem with it because you have to change culture. Mm -hmm. And to change culture, you've got to say, this is what we're going to do. Uh, I'll be damned if anybody's going to tell me different. We're going to do it. We're going to keep to these standards. And that's where we're going. And if you don't do that, when you try to change a culture, almost just under 70% of the time, you're going to fail. That's is a fact. Um, I had a chance to sit down with him and talk to him. So I, I really, really like where he's going. Um, I think uh, I'm hoping that, you know, that plays itself out. I know this, that we're doing a pretty good job right now on the recruiting trail and getting kids in here. There are some things uh, I mentioned it's different now than what's because you have the transfer portal and we've had some kids that left um, mm -hmm. probably need to have that. Qu quite honestly, you want kids that want, they want to be at Vanderbilt yep. for the education and they want to, they want to be here to, to hopefully showcase their athletic talent, but they want to be here. I don't want a kid coming on campus that's looking like I'm going to play here a year and then I can go over there. And unfortunately that's our environment today. Um, it's sad that it's that way, but it is what it is. So I, I think that's what coaches looking at too is saying, you know, I, I want the kids that want to be here because there's so many times that you look back at recruit recruiting classes and okay, it wasn't ranked here, it's ranked there, you know, whatever that may be. What I do know is I've, in my day, both in my career and professionally and post-career professionally, you've seen guys who are perennial pro bowlers in the NFL who started college as a no-star to a three-star or a two-star. J.J. Mm -hmm. Watt is a great example. Yeah. Um, so this is there's an old adage, and I think it rings really, really true. Good coaches make great players. If you really go back over the past um, several years and you look at players who may have gone on to the next level, we really don't have a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And in the times when we have been successful as a team uh, in a season, you see more than that. Now, Vanderbilt's never going to be pushing the productivity of, say, in Alabama, and that's just the way it, way it is, and that's okay. We're, we want to be Vanderbilt. We don't want to be Alabama. Certainly, we would like to get on par with facilities, wins, and things like that. And 
doing better than the SEC. But the the journey of 10,000 miles starts with one step. Exactly right. So and I think I think the step that we've taken in bringing Coach Lee here is a good one. He was one when I heard the names of coaches mentioned that I really wanted here and for the reasons I said before, um, because he knows Vanderbilt. He's been through that program, but he's also been to what would be considered, and I think justifiably so, Notre Dame is a big-time program. Mm-hmm. He's had success there. So you now you can know what a program is, and now you can take um, – you can you can take little things like that now and accent what you're trying to do and bring that forward. You talked about fit, Jim, and and you know we talked to, we love at, you know determining and trying to project how good of a fit coaches are in, in in this day and age. And I mean I don't think there's a better fit, and Will and I have agreed than Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. And I want to ask oh, you further about uh, tradition. And and yes, Vanderbilt doesn't have the tradition of an Alabama or a Florida or a Georgia, but yeah. I've talked to a lot of people and and you know it, it close with the program. They've said you have to try to bring back whatever tradition you can and bring back some of that success and that energy from those seasons, you know, going back to 1982 even and 2012 with what happened with Coach Franklin. So you talked about culture in, in, in building within, but how, how as a coach do you um, or, you know, would you ad- advise or, or, you know, suggest to, to Coach Lee um, at, at how to bring back some of that tradition, you know, and, and with things as simple as uniforms and the Vandy yeah. script, uh, the cursive script on, on top of your hat that you have that, that you guys wore, yep, <laughs> you guys wore in 1982. I mean, how important do you think that is, especially for people like you who were a part of that 1982 team and have been looking and waiting for this kind of success to, to come back? Well, if you go, I'm going to talk about the logo first. Uh, if you look at it, um, Throughout history of Vanderbilt, it's been primarily the star or the star V in some way, shape, or form. And I think probably I'm biased, but I think that this logo is one of the neatest, cleanest it's had I love it. in a long time. The bad thing about it is the people who sell crap uh, don't want to put that in with with all the stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, my I guess my point being is that with that being a part of that history and celebrating that, because they've got this and a big sign down near the, the locker room and everything. Uh-huh. Uh, and and the look is changing. If y'all haven't been in there, it's, it's changing too. And that's, it, it should. Um, but as you come in and change, um, you look at one is what is our history? Let's learn from it. Let's learn from it in two ways. Where do we fall short? How can we get better? And what are we doing in the meantime to get to that point? Um, so we want to celebrate those teams and the people who have come through there because those are the people who paved the way for the, the people before. There's so many things that I that I've seen, and we do this a lot um, with the Lions. Mm-hmm. Is when you realize you have guys in you know more storied programs, um, you've probably got more there. But with Vanderbilt, you've got players who've had a great deal of success on the football field, who are great ambassadors for your program so now do i i need to make those guys welcome which has not been an overall um culture at vanderbilt in the past make them welcome to be part of that family because it's family and community it helps build you don't build a city without a community 
you don't start a community without family. So if you can start there and really do it, and I see Coach Lee doing this kind of stuff, welcoming you to talk to you at any level, mm-hmm. um, welcoming you to the facility and being a part of it. Let me show you what we're doing and meeting coaches and knowing that, that they like to see you as well. Um, that, that does several things. It, does, it helps with your, your current program. It also helps with things down the road. Um, unfortunately, Vanderbilt has been a place in the past that when the former guys got there, they wanted to see his checkbook. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the way you build culture. Um, if you're welcoming and now it's family, you won't have to ask that. It will come to you. So um, I see those things starting to happen at Vanderbilt. And um, I think it's great. It's exciting. Um, I'm excited to see what happens this year, whether it's a good season or not. But when you've got a new coach, it's going to be tough your first year because now I've got to put, uh, got to have make sure I've got personnel in the right spots. I've got young kids that are coming in. Are they going to be players at first? Are they going to be players? We're going to have to work on skills. I think the coaches that we have in place now can help the particular skill set at that position. So um, I just, I'm very positive as to where Vanderbilt is headed. Um, Is it going to turn out this year? Probably not from a pure win-loss standpoint, but know that it's building. And you have, I believe, the right man building that program um, from what I've seen over the past 15 to 20 years. I will go back and I will tell you, I did love Bobby Johnson when he was here. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think Franklin knew how to market all that, um, and he had success here. So you got to sell it. You got to sell it on, on several levels. You got to sell it to the kids. You got to sell it to the public, and you got to put it on the field. Um, and it will happen on the field. It's just going to take a little time. Yeah, you talked about a lot right there, culture and kind of building within, and that's always the first step when you're not only looking to bring in a new staff and completely new culture of of the football program, but it's it mm-hmm. seems that with the Vanderbilt United and trying to bring back in former players and, and different things of that nature, that Vanderbilt athletics as a whole is kind of having to bring in a new culture, um, which is something you don't see a ton at more traditional programs in the SEC. Uh, what do you think of the job that Candace Lee has done um, since taking over that AD role? Um, and, and how do you think she's been attempting to kind of change the outside perception of Vanderbilt athletics across the country? I think she's really trying to do that. I think that Candace kind of um, came into what I would consider, you know, as you're coming in as an AD, a fairly difficult situation. You, you, you've got a situation on the football side where, You've got to make a change. You've got a couple other sports where you've already made a change in one. Um, Time will tell us if a change is going to have to be made in another. Um, My knee jerk is there will be a change there. I don't know, but I'm not running it. But as far as managing that, I feel like that that Candace has done a good job of there. Um, It is a tough job. And I think what she wants from that university is excellence across that. Of course, we've had it in baseball. We've got, God, we've got Corbs, and it doesn't get a whole lot better than that nope. with him. But now how do we take that and put it into more of our, quote, major sports? Now, we've seen – we're starting to see success. We've had success, but we're seeing more success now 
in our country club sports, which we should at Vanderbilt, our golf, our tennis. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done well in, I'm not saying soccer is a country club sport, but soccer is doing, doing well. Um, our bowling team has already won a national championship and it being a young program at Vanderbilt, they're a little, it's a little tough because expanding athletics is tough at Vanderbilt because you're, you're limited from your, um, I don't want to say your geography. You're not, it's not from your geography. It's from your real estate that you've got. And you're seeing it now on West End. They've torn down half the towers and going up with newer and, and nicer buildings. They're going to take the other two down. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that's going on at Vanderbilt, which I think are good and positive. You always hate to see the old go, especially when you know, hey, I slept in that room there for three years. <laughs> uh, but I believe with what she has walked into, she's, she's doing a good job. Jim, we're running out of time here. I think we could keep Uh-oh. going here for about an hour or so, but um, I really do want to ask you about, we had a comment. Um, I don't know if you, I'm sure you did. It was, it was on the picture we posted of you on Twitter. Um, Bob, at Bobby is the savior on Twitter. He said, ask him if he's jealous of Bill's glo- glorious fake punt. And I know he's referring to 1996 Bill Marin Angels, 81 yard fake punt touchdown at Alabama. What uh, were you watching that? And uh, and are you? I jealous? did see it. <laughs> well, I'm not jealous. I never had Bill's speed. Um, he was a kid yeah. that uh, you know had had talent at, as a punter, but he also was a kid that um, you know played other positions and had the speed in order to do that at that at that level, and that certainly helped that. And the fact that the center of the field opened up, but uh, that was a pretty awesome play. Um, jealous of it? I don't know if I'll say that. But I was jumping up and down when he was when he was running down the field. I can tell you, I wanted him to go all the way. Yeah, looking up your stats before, I think uh, your official career stats were negative fourteen rushing yards, but you did have nine yards passing. Let's go. Um, um, and your official career stats, so only negative yeah, five, negative five total yards on on the ground through there. Combined. That was that was just trying to not let him block one. I believe <laughs> Coach Max should have let you play some quarterback, huh? <laughs> oh yeah we could have gone deep on a couple <laughs> jim this has been a pleasure uh if we didn't have a 40 minute time limit we would we'd have had you on maybe a little bit longer uh but thanks again and uh we will try to have you on again uh, leading up to the season and um have a have a good rest of your summer well thanks billy will i really appreciate it um very honored to be on your program wish y'all all the best always and uh, hopefully billy will we'll see you again and watch another sport together Oh, yeah. We'll get Will over there next time yep. uh, for the college. <laughs> okay, <series>. good. <laughs> well, that does it for episode 96 of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Huge thanks to today's special guest, Jim Arnold, the legendary former Vanderbilt punter back in the early 80s. It was an awesome conversation with him in regards to his career at Vanderbilt and, and diving into what Coach Lee needs to do to, to bring some of that energy back to West End. For myself, Billy Derrick, Will Byram, and Jim Arnold, you've been listening to episode 96 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.